0: Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown podcast has all of that and it's Chicago based. So, you know, what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi, I'm Justin Coffin and this is Reset. With Election Day just a week away, Reset's checking in with some of the candidates asking for your vote. Today, we start with the race. For Cook County State's Attorney, coming up, we'll hear from Pat O'Brien, the Republican. But first, we welcome the incumbent Democrat Kim Fox. Fox was swept into office four years ago, largely because of her pledge to reform the criminal justice system here in Cook County. State's Attorney Fox, welcome back to Reset. Thank you for having me, Justin. So let's get right into it. Why, why do you deserve another term as the uh, Cook County State's Attorney?
0: Because we've made a lot of inroads in the last four years to keep our community safe and reform what has been a historically broken criminal justice system here in Cook County. And those inroads have been uh, related to the establishment of our Gun Crime Strategies Unit to address violent crime in some of our most uh, devastated neighborhoods, to vacating wrongful convictions of those who were wrongfully convicted at the hands of corrupt law enforcement, Mm -hmm. as well as addressing issues related to mental health and substance abuse disorders.
1: What you championed when you came in four years ago, it was all a reform agenda. A lot of the things you're talking about here. How do you feel your record stacks up with the promises you made on the the campaign trail back in 2016?
0: You know, I think, first of all, we knew that we had a long uh, road ahead of us because the reform agenda was to take on a system that had been fundamentally broken for years. Uh, But I think we've made great headway. You know, when I came into office, we were known as the false confession capital of the United States. Um, and in just four years, we've vacated more wrongful convictions here in Cook County than any state uh, in the union. We were able to work on marijuana legalization and the vacating of convictions that for amounts that are now legal. But we've been able to address issues like bail reform. And so, while we have made headway, certainly there's much more to do. But I think my record stacks up to the agenda that we laid out in 2016. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, State's Attorney Fox, your opponent was on WTTW last night and said the murder rate in Chicago, the high murder rate, it's on you. How do you respond to that?
0: Well, First of all, I think people in Cook County are smarter than my opponent wants to give them credit for. And fear-mongering and basically blaming, not what people here expect from people who want to lead them. The reality is when I came in the office in 2016, we had a horrible year of violence, much like what we're seeing now. And year over year, for three years, violent crime, homicides went down. And this year has been an incredibly difficult year here in Chicago, much like places all across the country, from New York City to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we know that this year, between the pandemic, the civil unrest, the economic loss, has been devastating to communities. And so for Mr. O'Brien to be overly simplistic about what's happening in our country tells us what his leadership will look like. And I actually know what his leadership looks like from his history in the office. But really, he underestimates uh, the integrity and the intelligence of the voter when he makes overly simplistic
1: statements. You know, there's this idea of it really kind of stems around prosecutions and who's being prosecuted for what crimes. Uh, That's been a big part of your reform agenda to to limit or to to decline the the amount of prosecutions because it felt like at at one point in Chicago and Cook County, we were prosecuting everybody. But that falls into the uh, narrative that is for your opponent and others that because you're not putting prosecutions at the top, uh, criminals are getting out and they're, they're doing other crimes. They're, they're continuing crimes, and that's why we're seeing an uptick and a surge when it comes to murders and, and, and gun violence in Chicago. Your response to that?
0: When I came into office in 2016, we had over 760 homicides, 4,000 people shot. The number one referred prosecution wasn't guns, wasn't shooting, wasn't homicides. It was low-level retail theft. And so, yes, we were doing a fantastic job of prosecuting low-level offenders, who weren't keeping us safe. We weren't making communities safer by going after people for low-level offenses and not using our resources to go after those who were committing violent crimes. And so we did. We shifted who we were targeting in the use of our prosecutorial uh, discretion. And in 2017, 18, 19, and 20, the number one referred prosecution in our office has been guns. And we've, in fact, prosecuted 2,700 more guns in the last three years than my predecessor had. So it's not about uh, not prosecuting, it's shifting who we are targeting to make sure our communities are safer. And that's what's fundamentally important here. We have a lot of people that we are prosecuting who have substance use disorders. 40% of our cases that come in our office are drug cases. Of those, the overwhelming majority are people who possess them, who have a history of drug addiction. Mm -hmm. When people want our communities to be safe, They want us to be able to, one, say people who have substance use disorders need treatment and people who are causing devastation to our communities with violence should be locked up.
1: What do you say to when people say, well, a a lot of the criminals, they don't feel like they're going to be punished, that uh, if they go and smash a a window on Michigan Avenue that uh, they know that this current state's attorney is not interested in punishing them so they can do whatever they want? What's your response to something like that?
0: response has been, look at the data and look at the research. The reality is this year has been a particularly difficult year across the board. But we've instituted these reform policies starting in December of 2016, and crime rates in Cook County went down in 17, 18, and 19. And so these aren't new policies. This isn't a new shift that just happened in the course of the last six months. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, even in these moments, look and make sure that our policies are effective in keeping communities safe. But we have to stop the you know, soundbite <laughs> judgments that we make, particularly in the middle of crisis. What we've seen in this country is a history of bad criminal justice policy that decades later we try to unfold that's enacted in the midst of crisis and panic. And we cannot panic. We have to look at the totality of the record, and when we do, we will see that these policies have addressed reform and kept our communities safer.
1: This uh, summer, uh, uh, especially tough one for uh, law enforcement in Chicago, the mayor as well as the Chicago police, uh, you know, the Chicago police in general, criticized your handling of the protesters over the summer. Uh, There also were, uh, you know, a lot of blame game and finger pointing you were on with us at that time. How do you reflect on the events that happened this summer and and your relationship with the Chicago police and the mayor's office moving forward?
0: Listen, I'm proud to have the support of the mayor in this election. She's supporting this re-election effort because she knows that we have a shared value of keeping our community safe. It was a particularly difficult summer. And I think in the midst of it, our office stood ready and did the work that we were required to do to prosecute those who were um, causing destruction um, to our communities, causing harm. Where we stood and continue to stand was that we weren't going to use our prosecutorial uh, efforts to go after people who were peacefully engaged in exercising their constitutional rights. But again, I remind folks that the work that we've been doing in this office has been for the course of the last four years. This year has been like <laughs> unlike any of the others we've seen before. And we share a mission with the police and the mayor's office around keeping our community safe. And I wholeheartedly believe that you don't do that by assigning blame, mm-hmm. that you work collectively and collaboratively to address it. And that's what we've done.
1: The FOP here in Chicago has endorsed your opponent, uh, the Chicago police. And the uh, seems like the, the uh, your office and the Chicago police have butted heads over your time uh, in office. What do you say to voters about what the relationship's going to be like between the Cook County State's Attorney and the Chicago Police in the next term?
0: I think, one, we have to dispel the notion that we have not had a good relationship with the Chicago Police Department. There's a difference between the union and the police. And the reality is every case that we prosecute um, in the city of Chicago has a police officer that's attached to it. So their legitimacy and credibility is incredibly important to us. And what isn't told is that every day there are hundreds of police officers who are coming in and working side by side with our prosecutors to get justice in our communities. It's how we're able to prosecute the killers of Tyshawn Lee or Hadia Pendleton, working side by side with Chicago police. But I also have a responsibility to hold police officers accountable when they do wrong, when they go afoul of the law. When we look at what happened with Laquan McDonald, when we look in Minneapolis and what happened with George Floyd, that's my role. And for some people, it is discomforting that as a prosecutor that I can say, even though we work in partnership, I still have to be a check. And so what I can assure people about the next four years is that we will operate in the same way we have in these past four years, working collectively with respect and also with accountability with those in law enforcement.
1: When we talk about... um transparency. How do you think your office is done with transparency, letting the voters or letting the citizens of Cook County know what you're trying to accomplish and what's happening behind the scenes?
0: You know, we were the first prosecutor's office in the country to put every piece of felony case level data on an open data portal so that people can see it. And over the course of the last four years, we've, you know, updated and modified it to be user-friendly so that people can see. And not just work that we've done in my administration, but the administration prior. Uh, We put every piece of data that we had available from our our system so that the folks can see it. And I think that's incredibly important because, as, as I said earlier, a lot of these races, People use sound bites. People use phraseology that they think will resonate, you know, language like tough on crime mm-hmm. or soft on crime. And people want to know, what does that mean? What are you doing? Are you prosecuting more gun cases versus low-level offenses? I want to be able to demonstrate to the public when they have questions or when they want to know what and how we're using our resources that they can actually see it. When we talk about racial justice, are we treating black defendants the same way that we treat white defendants for the same crimes. When we talk about the inequities, are we spending more resources sending people to prison for low-level offenses versus those for violent crimes? And I think the best way to address that is by being as transparent as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of the work that we've done.
1: Obviously, you bring up the uh, the case of Jesse Smollett and, and it being sort of uh, grabbing the headlines in your first term as uh, state's attorney, but... I, when you look at that, a lot of that had to do with transparency. I think a lot of citizens in Cook County yeah. wanted to make sure that, that you weren't giving uh, any favorable treatment to your friends or to celebrities or people who, are, who have the money and the resources to be able to game the system. And there was a special prosecution and everyone. But that's really what it's at the core at of it is this yep. idea that, that giving, giving your friends and, and family or, or celebrities or, or rich people with money better opportunity to, to game the system. What's your response to that?
0: I think that's absolutely right. I think I've said all along that we could have handled that better. And at the the core of that is around transparency, that people should be able to know, is this in line with how you would treat someone else? And it's one of the things that, you know, again, that I'm proud of the fact, you know, the Tribune did a report a a couple months ago that showed that about 5,700 cases of class four offenses, the same offense level that Mr. Smollett had, had been dropped. But people will make those assumptions if you don't show your work. And I think transparency is absolutely important in a prosecutor. It's why, you know, I want to hold myself to the same accountability that I think the press should hold uh, my opponent. You know, one of the things that I think we should ask him and, and look at is his record of having been a prosecutor before, is his history of wrongful convictions, not just with the four teenagers that he sent to prison for a crime they didn't commit, But the 27 wrongful convictions under his watch, because I think to your point, people do want to know, are we going to go back to being the false confession capital of the United States? Are we going to go back to a history here in Cook County where it was win at all costs, particularly in times of fear and violence? Or are we going to have a system that's transparent and accountable? And so I'm open To being questioned and interrogated on how we handled that case and own the mistakes that have been made. But I certainly hope that we're just as vigorous um, in looking at the record of Mr. O'Brien.
1: Well, when we look right now, we're in a pandemic. COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on our institutions, including the jails. Uh, We saw over the summer, uh, you know, much more ankle monitoring, taking people outside of the jail. As you move forward and you look at that, this is not necessarily a one-month pandemic. This is going to be a long haul. Does it change the way that your office is going to view prosecutions and view jail time and and view the way that we uh, deal with criminal behavior in this uh, county?
0: You know, what I am proud of is that we've worked as a collective. So this isn't just a prosecutor's issue that we have to deal with at the jail. It is the judges, the sheriff, the public defender, and addressing how are we going to deal with what is a persistent public health crisis that is the pandemic, and the use of our jails. And you know, we have prioritized, you know, listen, that jail should be used for people who are a threat to public safety, um, and we should scrutinize who we are sending there because it's not even just about that one individual, it's the safety of the jail guards, it's the safety of the administrators, and actually the people that they come home to in the community. And so it has caused us to really evaluate you know, how we use the jail um, and look at our priorities. And I think moving forward, you know, I don't know how long this pandemic will last, but I think it speaks to the broader issue of how we use incarceration, how we use pretrial detention. That is something that I know not just here in Cook County, but the state is addressing as we look at the use of cash bail.
1: Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, uh, running for re-election, uh, Election Day just a week away. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Of course, Justin. Take care. Okay, now let's hear from her chief opponent, Republican challenger Pat O'Brien is a former Cook County judge and prosecutor. Mr. O'Brien, welcome to Reset.
2: Thank you, and uh, good afternoon to you and all of your listeners. Thanks.
1: So why do you want to be the next uh, Cook County State's attorney?
2: Well, it didn't start out that way, but after Smollett, uh, I started looking at the office and found that um, Kim Fox basically had failed in all of the ways that a prosecutor uh, has to be judged. She wasn't... Uh, charging the correct kind of crime. She wasn't watching people after they were charged and monitoring to make sure they didn't re-offend, and she wasn't trying cases, and where it was appropriate, winning cases. So I found that in terms of violent crime, instead of stopping it, she was fueling it with her failed policies. Mm -hmm. Public corruption, she's done none, and all she has to do is look at her list of donors in order to find persons that she could investigate, and... Because of Smollett, she's lost her integrity, and there's no way, when you lose that, that you can get that back.
1: Well, you've criticized Fox as being soft on crime, too focused on criminal justice reform, and that you would, quote, restore integrity and order, as you just mentioned. Why focus on Fox? Why not focus on what you would do at the office?
2: Well, I will, but first of all, she's an incumbent, which means you're running against her four years of policy. And part of running against that is being able to point out what her problems are. Now, in terms of what I would do, because of the way that gangs have affected the west and south side and some of the suburbs, I would enlarge the gang unit, make sure that it had uh, assistance with experience in drugs and guns, embed them with the gang police officers in the city and suburbs, and have them vertically investigate and prosecute those crimes. And then I would make sure that witnesses would feel free to come forward By starting a witness relocation unit, which would be available in order to get a witness and their family, that includes their kids, relocated to another city so that they wouldn't fear gang retaliation.
1: I wonder how that would work, as, as as you know, the police department and the and the state's attorney's office has had uh, issues with uh, trying to get witnesses to come forward, especially when it comes to violent crime. So you're suggesting that that you would that you would make that a priority in a O'Brien Cook County State's attorney's
2: office? Absolutely. Uh, there is a district attorney's office in Denver which has a unit modeled after the U.S. Marshals unit. It's been in in business for about 10 years and has a great deal of success. It can be done at the local level. And last year, there were 490 uh, homicides in Chicago. Only 108 persons were charged, yet more than half of those homicides occurred in gang circumstances. Witnesses don't feel safe to come forward. We can solve those crimes. It has to be done. The neighborhood's expected. The victim's families expected. And I expect that we would do it.
1: Mr. O'Brien, when it comes to criminal justice reform, there was a big movement, even in 2016, that uh, the state's attorney, the current incumbent, uh, rode uh, that wave into reforms for the criminal justice system. What's your thought on, on, on the criminal justice system as it stands and if it needs reforming?
2: Any entity that exists over any period of time can be made better. Now, the criminal justice reform that you talk about in 2016 A lot of that was put in place before that. Deferred prosecution was put in place by Anita Alvarez in 2013. The Conviction Integrity Unit was put in place by Dick Devine in 2007. The only thing that the third piece of that was the bail statute, and I agree that money shouldn't be a determiner as to whether a person stays in custody. But with all the people that are waiting trial out on either bail or electronic monitoring, the state's attorney has a responsibility to help monitor them. The county sheriff is not able to do it totally, and yet Tim Fox seems to feel that if the sheriff doesn't do their job, she has no place and doesn't want to fill that vacuum. She has to fill, and I would fill that vacuum. Mm
1: -hmm. This uh, summer, the... uh... There was a lot of uh, finger pointing between the mayor, the Chicago police, and the uh, state's attorney's office when it came to protests uh, down uh, in Chicago after the uh, police killing of George Floyd. The state's attorney's office, uh, Kim Fox, she said her office would not prosecute peaceful protesters for minor charges like curfew violations or disorderly conduct. You've come out against that. How would you have done things differently?
2: The first thing I would have done after that first night of rioting, I would have went on television standing next to Superintendent Brown and said that anybody who loots, destroys property, uh, breaks windows, will be prosecuted. And everybody who is exercising their First Amendment rights will be protected. That's the start of it. And then the reason why uh, Kim Fox has failed is the mayor took a particular action, which is appropriate and lawful, this curfew. But what does Kim Fox do? On her own, she basically guts that ability to get control of the streets when there is rioting. To me, that just sounds like somebody who doesn't understand what her job is, which is to make the community safe, the neighborhood safe, and to be a voice for victims. Mm.
1: Well, she's a prosecutor, so I, I don't know what, uh, in that moment, how she made the streets safer in that moment that was happening. And, I mean, I can understand the idea of afterwards saying she's not going to prosecute. But, but as a prosecutor, what role should she play in law enforcement uh, or at least addressing the public before any charges are brought to the court?
2: The role she plays is to tell people what the consequences will be if they engage in certain actions which could deter. And then in, t- in terms of what happens as it's ongoing, you should have a unit in the state's attorney's office on the street with the police. And if there's going to be arrest. Those assistant state's attorneys should make sure that the arrests are valid, that evidence that is part of the proof of that arrest is basically inventoried and kept in connection with the person that's arrested. And then when the person appears for bond hearings, that the state's attorney speaks up and gives a voice to the fact that whatever the background of that person is and whatever the crimes are, that there's an appropriate bond that's recommended by the state's attorney.
1: You've been endorsed by the Chicago Police Union. Uh, what do you think needs to happen to bring down crime and, more importantly, improve community police relations in, in Cook County?
2: Well, th- the fact that I was endorsed by the police department just tells me that
1: police union, with, but,
2: exception yeah. union, by th- with the exception of Kim Fox, every other state's attorney that's an incumbent has been endorsed by the union. So she's at war with the police, and you've got to have a situation where you not only police the police for excessive force, but you need their cooperation because they gather evidence and make arrests. So I think that you essentially have to do those two roles, and they're not inconsistent, and they can be done together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yesterday on, on TTW, you were talking about that you, you squarely and solely put the blame of Chicago's murder rate on Kim Fox. Do you think that's. Do you think that's One. fair? Do you think that's fair to do to, to, this, to the Cook County State's Attorney? Because violence in Chicago and the murder rate has been uh, consistent for decades and decades and decades, whether it's Republicans or Democrats in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office.
2: Well, thank you for the question, but let me put it this way. I don't think I said exactly that. I said she fueled the violence by her failed policy, by disbanding the narcotics unit, by dismissing 25,000 felony cases, by not charging persons— that the police presented to her for murder charges and by essentially not monitoring people that are out on bond or electronic monitoring to make sure they don't reoffend. And I think that's what I said. And that certainly would fuel crime if everybody feels who wants to commit crime that there are no consequences or accountability.
1: Uh, You mentioned early on uh, the uh, case of Jesse Smollett, and that really, you know, as we talked to the uh, state's attorney about that in the last hour, uh, what is your thought about how that was handled and and what impact that has with the relationship with uh, the voters in the city of Chicago and the county?
2: Well, I guess the voters are going to tell us what impact it has, but my take on it is this. Tim Fox has said it was a problem in communication. I say it's a problem in a public official doing a political favor for somebody who has political power. And that means that instead of having everybody uh, be the same under the law, she put one person above the law, and you can't do that. And when you lose your integrity, all of the decisions you make, and there will be a lot of them, which can be questioned, will be questioned, not based upon uh, whether, in fact, somebody disagrees with it, but based upon Mm -hmm. whether you decided, made that decision for the right reasons.
1: She will bounce back and say, I'm not the only one with scandal. She'll talk about uh, the, the wrongful convictions. She mentioned the four teenagers who were charged in the murder of a medical student back in 1988. And, um, and you were the prosecutor in that case. So what do you say about the fact that Chicago was once considered the false con- confession capital of the world and John Burge and everything in between, and that you were a part of that?
2: First of all, that statement, false confession capital, was made by one of the a plaintiff's attorneys who was suing the city. In the Rossetti case, there were two court-reported confessions or admissions by one of the defendants to his acquaintances, and one of the four actually testified against the other in the last trial, confirming the confession and confirming that they did it. Uh, There was no way that, given the evidence that I was given, that you wouldn't prosecute. Now, subsequently, DNA tests, which weren't available at the time, uh, came into being, and they showed that The system made a mistake. They made a mistake, and I made a mistake because I tried it. But I tried it in good faith, and I tried it based upon what I had. And never was anything done to me uh, in connection with a penalty based upon my good faith actions. There was never any finding against me in state or federal court. There was never one penny paid out by the county based upon my actions. Mm -hmm. Now, on the 27 wrongful convictions, some of those were actually reversed, Well, I was the state's attorney, and and those persons were freed. Others were reversed during the course of Anita Alvarez and Dick Devine's uh, uh, tour of duty. And there are things that change, such as DNA. And where that changes, people that are wrongfully convicted have to be freed. I'm in favor of that.
1: Okay, I was going to ask my last question. My my question for you is just how do you make sure that doesn't happen again? And if you're the Cook County state's attorney, how do you make sure that there are no wrongful convictions on your watch?
2: Well— a perfect system run by imperfect people sounds to me like an impossibility. What you try to do is your best. Now, some of the things that have happened which have made it more difficult for confessions, false confessions to be given, that everybody who's arrested on a homicide charge in Chicago and in the suburbs, when they get into the police station, they're put into an interview room that has a video camera, and that video camera is on until they're out of the police station. So you can look and see if, in fact, there's inappropriate conduct Or more importantly, whether the person, based on their age and based upon their mental makeup, their will is being overborne, even if there's no improper conduct. So you look not just at the process and what it produces, I should say what it produces, but you can look and see how it's produced. And you can make a better decision as to whether a confession should be believed.
1: Former Cook County Judge and uh, Prosecutor Pat O'Brien, who is the Republican challenger for the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, Election Day, of course, in seven days. Mr. O'Brien, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you coming on the program.
2: And thank you. And I appreciate uh, talking to you. And uh, I have you and your listeners have a good day.
1: Well, that's going to do it for Reset today. If you like what you hear, tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another one. Have a great day.